This is uh, the Halloween special. And, of course, we are coming with another another story that is infamous with the season. And there is one such story I think that everyone has heard of at some point in their lives. It's famous. It is in most American schools taught in grade school. Something that was taught in history class. See, I didn't know that you, 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 know, you would get taught that in school, but... Yeah, it's something we uh it's something that's taught to us, you know, especially because of just, you know, what it ha- what it means for American society in the colonial era and I mean, you see it on TV shows now, you have Netflix shows about this, books about this. Of course, you have the infamous The Crucible by Arthur Miller, the infamous play that everyone's heard of. Obviously, after everything I've said, you've probably guessed what we're going to talk about this evening, which is the Salem witch trials who does not like witches i like them we all Um, like them i think they're pretty cool right except that this story is very interesting because i know it's not what we know about witches and it's not the way we think of witches not disneyland not harry potter and definitely not lord of the rings either (laughs) Not at all. It's definitely not the witches that we've come to know from popular fiction and, like you said, movies and stuff like that. But I also I also think that this story hasn't been properly told, I think, in pop culture. Because, I mean, if you look at, like, academics and, like, like historians, they yes. all go deeper into this. Bro, it's, it's the dark, ugly truth behind the word witches. This is real life. And I know it's gonna get gnarly, so buckle up, freaks, and let's go. Yeah, this one is gonna get a little gnarly indeed. I think it's important to uh, begin, because this is, like I said, we're talking about Salem here. There's a lot to unpack. This is a deep story, lots of twists and turns. You mentioned before that this was going to be, you know, this is going to change. You know, this is a different take on witches, but I I also think that it's a different look at humanity in general, at at, at, at what evil is. What is evil? What motivates people to do these things? And most importantly, what motivates people to uh, live in these little societies where they act as one and they can they can almost manufacture an entire scandal and watch people die. Indeed, it's yes. Very shocking. It's terrifying. And I mean, when you think about the fact that we're talking about a village of a couple hundred people where everybody knew each other. And just watch them cannibalize one another, eat each other, and watch and just murder one another. That is something that's extremely difficult to come to terms with. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Let's go dive more inside in details and hear this wonderful, creepy and sad at the same time. Hell of a story. It's a hell of a story, all right? So, let's talk a little bit about witchcraft. Going into 
mostly the 1400s, there is a long period at this time of people getting accused for witchcraft all the time. Right. And it was the in the end of the medieval times. That's when shit. That's correct. Start hit, you know, and witchcraft start being taken seriously because before that, it was just laughed at, you know. It was. This is a big, big thing in the 1400s. There was actually a peak in the 1490s and in, in the 100 years after that, or about 150 years after that in Europe, where the church started destroying pagan symbolism. This was a major thing. What you would expect because this is around, like we talked about the medieval era, the prominent religion in Europe is Christianity, and pagan symbolism started getting destroyed. Pagan artifacts, pagan buildings were getting burned to the ground. And with that, people were getting accused of witchcraft and for being pagans. And it's believed that in about the 1490s to the 1590s, or around the 150-year period, starting thereafter... About 50,000 people were executed in 150 years for witchcraft. That's that's insane. That's really scary. It, it's really just... That okay. Is, wow, okay. And that includes people getting burned at the stake, people getting hung. You know, we... The, the classic. The classic stuff. I mean, if, if you if you uh, watch some of our episodes of Cave of Crimes where we talk about the medieval era... Our medieval season... We had a couple of people, as a matter of fact, That's who true, yeah. were, uh, you know, we had a serial killer that we had talked about who murdered people and people accused him of shape-shifting. We had the werewolf of Bedberg, who was a, not really a werewolf, he was just a crazy guy, and they accused him of having the ability to transform into things. So we... The most famous one, Joan of Arc, as well. That's right. And that was way before. That was a little bit before all of this as well. And she true, was also true. actually accused. I would say it was more famous in Europe to burn people. Correct. I don't know if that got to the States, to Salem in particular. But we'll get to that. Yes, we will. But it is. Uh, but it's important to sort of discuss a little bit how this whole, you know, call, you know, witch hunts this had been happening for a long time in the 1400s going into the 1550s that was the peak of it and as as we've seen many times before on this lovely podcast so indeed yeah, yeah. with the salem witch trials we are now jumping from europe over to the united states we're jumping into uh, 1692 which is the year when the uh, i should say january of 1692 which is when the events of all of this takes place so like, again, witchcraft had been a big thing for a long time in Europe. When people come over to America, this is what happens. These are some of the different mechanisms that creates what would eventually put everything into place. Here's a couple of the things that are happening at this time. Okay. So, number one, the English church was starting to become more progressive. In the 1600s, 1650s, we started getting more of the scientific scientific revolution and all these inventions started to come along. So the world started to change, right? People, even the very religious people, start to notice that, well, we have this thing called science and you have Newton and you have all these people coming along that are changing the world as we know it and changing the way we think. Industrialization is happening. And as all of these things are occurring in our world, the church is having some issues trying to figure out how it fits, right? Yeah. Because yeah. the church was super powerful. Indeed, yeah. Forever. Yeah. They basically is like, well, you know, you have questions about 
I don't know, gravity and stuff, it's, it's God's work. It wouldn't matter, yeah. You know? You really couldn't associate it with anything. So the world at this time is going through this major shift. And because of that, the church had to adapt. So the English church started to adapt, and a certain group of people in England didn't like that. So they were like, well, we don't like that. We want the traditional church that we know and love. We want that strong, oppressive, Catholic hell and brimstone. Right. That's what we want. They wanted to preserve that old school death and blood and guts and doom. It's fucking crazy, man. You can still still see some of these things today. Absolutely. You see that in all in many religions. You see that, I mean, you have what we call fundamentalism. You have Definitely, people who yeah. want to... So anyways, these people break off from the English church and they call themselves Puritans. And the Puritans, I mean, it says it in the word purification. It's almost like we're trying to free the... the, the, the what is it? The... We're trying to get rid of the of the contamination and go back to the roots, the roots, the Gilded Age. Crazy. So the Puritans is what they're called, and they start to migrate over to America. They start moving into at the time what is the British colonies. There is no United States yet, so there's just land, and it's owned by the British. Oh really? Yeah. There is. This is not. This is before the United States. <laughs> well, that was after him, way okay. after him. Okay. But um, this, there was no United States yet. There was just the 13 colonies by the English. Interesting. And, well, history would, would not... It would take, I think, some 85 years after 1692 or 1776. Was that... That's, that's like, yeah, that's like a long time after that America became the United States. And was that a place where these events took place named Salem? Or that's, that's just the area that's been called on right It's after. the area. Right, so this was just the village. Yes, however, it should be reiterated that the events of what's happening with the trials is not just the village itself. There was the Salem village where it's just oh, this, okay. but there was Salem town, which was five miles away. All right. I and see. many events happened there. Events from Boston, which is about 20 miles away from Salem is yeah. also involved. And also Maine, which is another state above know, Massachusetts. Yeah, 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 so like yeah. there's like other, they, a lot of places get involved here. We're mm. going to discuss more about this as we go along. Okay. But uh, yeah, this is a case of the Puritans moving, coming to the Massachusetts, going to Maine, going to, and then establishing their own colonies. Yeah, yeah. Establishing yeah. their little communities here. And again, it should be reiterated, these Puritans are really hyper, hyper religious. They are really against a lot of the scientific revolution that's happening at the time, although there are exceptions. But these are like hardcore, super religious people that um were just uh again they were just they were fanatics they were absolutely fanatical and they're tiny these villages were puny i mean they were you're talking about 300 people to each village right yeah, yeah so this is the world that we're living in mind you there's another very important event that will explain things even better going okay. on as well remember that the United that there's no United States yet, mm. and there are 13 colonies. Of course, as we know, the people that were living before the Europeans came yeah, yeah. were the Native Americans, yeah. and they were still around. Mm. The problem was, 
there were there were there were really lots of uh, big tension. Uh, there was a lot of tension between the between the settlers, the English people that came, and the Indians. At the time, the the natives that were living in their land, they were called the Wabanake. Okay. And these people, they originally inhabited this land until the British came and kicked them out. Oh, classic. Classic move. Came in, They've told the natives, it. you can't live here, get the hell out of here, kicked them off their land. God damn, man. And that, of course, established a really negative relationship between the Puritans that were living in these lands and the natives who originally lived and in, in inhabited these uh, their, this territory. These were the original people that lived there. Yeah. So it got really messy because there were lots of tensions. The Puritans had a habit of doing some nasty shit to the natives where they would... They've trade. done a lot. Which one is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've done a lot of nasty shit to natives. Good point. No, you're Which right. Which one is that? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, you're absolutely I mean, this is just one out of like a million right. things. I mean, we could go on for days. But what's what they would do is the Wabanake would trade with the Puritans in Massachusetts, right? Mm. And when they would go to trade with the women, they would kidnap the women and then they would sell the women to slavery for money seriously so they would be like yeah sure you could come over and we could trade if you like and then the women would come they would snatch the women say well you're ours now take her and then sell her into slavery to make profits off of that you can trace that shit back to roman days oh this is i mean i believe all these fucking methods man absolutely back in the day like slavery was just uh, another market another another business I believe somebody said like the oldest profession ever is prostitution. The second oldest is slavery. slavery. It's like the two that have existed the longest, man. It's it's uh, terrifying. It's scary, dude. It's but anyways, this is this is what was going on. Though the Wabanake were fighting these people for to get their land back, and not only that, but they were really pissed off because they had been screwed over by these Puritans time and time again, mm. and they had done a ten year truce of peace. But Was then it? that fell apart completely. It seems like all these fucking truths, they always fell apart at some point. They, yeah. Even a one-year truth, like, just fall the apart after just, a couple just completely, yeah. It's just, uh, let's lie to each other for a couple months until we figure something out, sneaky. Sneaky bastards, <laughs> bro. They're so sneaky. It really, it, it really is, like... It's, uh, I, I always feel like it's just like, oh, yeah, they let their guard down, attack, and they just go in and do right. their business. Right, you know? So, anyways, the attacks begin, and it gets to the point where the natives start to go to war with the Puritans. They start attacking each other. This is important, because there was a main attack that occurred in Maine, where a Wabanake uh, tribe had attacked a puritan village and they had i believe they killed 50 people and they took like 100 people hostage and stuff so that caused an uproar in the neighboring massachusetts main area all the colonies got word that the wabanake were starting to like initiate war with them and, and fight back and that caused pandemonium i would imagine so again keep this mentality in mind yeah yeah 
I'm going to take you now to a very important character. We're going to go back to Salem now. Mm. And we're going to go to a young girl named Mercy Lewis, who ends up becoming a very important character, a very important person in the trials later on. Mercy Lewis, eh, who uh, around 1676 is a little girl, and she happens to witness one such attack by the natives. So she's a little girl. Everyone gets slaughtered, but she hides under a bed and she survives the attack. Really? Right? Like a movie. Yeah, kind of like some old school, like right. Shinzo's list. Like, I hate to bring it up, but it's like one of these <laughs> scenes of like the yeah. soldiers coming in and she hides under the bed. She survives the attack. She doesn't get killed. But this memory stays with her for the rest of her life. Mm. And I want you to have this memory of Mercy Lewis, this young girl living in Salem Village, surviving actually sorry she wasn't in salem she was in another neighboring town it wasn't salem but she was in a neighboring right, town okay okay but just uh, think of her under her bed hiding she sees everyone get slaughtered she survives and a pretty terrific scene for a young girl you know she was like four. Oh my god she was really young she was like All four right. years old so it's uh it's important to keep this in mind for the future of this tale okay because this will come later got it when mercy becomes an adult and she moves to salem and the witch trials take place so let's think of Mer let's remember the name mercy lewis for now okay but i also want to take you to in my opinion the crafters of these stories when mm. we talk about witchcraft and the stories of witchcraft in the united states at this time period there are two names that we have to go to and they're very, very important. And I want to discuss them now because they started writing well before the events of Salem. And this is what causes to many people, and lots of scholars argue this, but it causes the witch scare. The witch scare? Is that like satanic panic? Yeah. <laughs> That's the satanic panic of you like... Know, the 1600s. Of, yeah, of the 1690s and stuff. You know? Oh my God. That's like when you're talking about like Charlie Manson and the squad. It's like, this is like their version of that. It's like, this is the book that like... Why did you call it, it the the witch scare? I guess. Did I, am I the first one to say that? I don't know. the guy that coins the phrase? <laughs> I hope so, dude. Like you could patent that and make money off of it. Let's, let's, oh my God. I hope I could get patented, patented or I could get some like copyright for that. So... There's two people we need to discuss here. Now, we mentioned Mercy Lewis. She sees an attack. She moves to Salem later in her life. And as we know, the colonies are in a bit of an uproar because they are now waging war with the natives of the land and fighting over territory. Remember, these are Puritans. So they, these people, like, their lives suck anyways. Like, yeah. Their lives, like, it's just nothing but pain and life sucks and God is everything. And, like, repent for your sins. It's just nothing but hell. Hmm. So as all this occurs, I'm going to discuss two people here. First, I want to discuss a man by the name of Increase Mathers. That's right. This guy's name was Increase. Like, Increase. Oh, my God. That's the name of this dude. Well, whatever, for whatever reason, they... His parents yeah. decided to call him Increase. Well, supposedly, I mean, this is kind of like pointless details, but Increase Mathra was was named that because they said like everything that's great in the world, w he will increase it. Literally, that's the inspiration to this man's name. I'm that's not making that up. That's actually boring. 
I'm not making that up. They were like, well, all the gold in the world and the food will be that increased. Increased. Dude, I believe it or not, like we have traditions like that too. Like you know, you have a you, ha you have a name, and they believe that it will give you power when power. you're an adult or some shit like that yeah did he increase anything at all <laughs> he increased his pockets i'll tell you that much well there you go as you're gonna find out real it soon. works a little bit oh you bet so this guy increased mathers right he goes on to he came from a wealthy family he came originally from england please keep in mind all these people that we're going to talk about these people their history is from England. They're first generation. Like right, they, had, yeah, they just yeah, arrived yeah. from Britain. Yeah, yeah. These are like first, second generation British True, people. Yeah. So Increase Mathers grew up a fairly rich guy. He, at one point or another, he became president of Harvard. He was the president of Harvard. So he knew a lot of powerful really? people. Yeah, he was a powerful guy. Well, there you go. He was, and this will, this is important. Keep in mind that this man was president of Harvard College as well. So he, now if you go to Harvard College, there will be like a big photo of him and it says yeah. increase. No, I'm not even, yeah, yeah. This is fucking awesome, man. Ridiculous at the same time. Dude. Dude. <laughs> it's am, real, though. I am not shitting you. They have stuff like this in these, uni like these really? like really fancy universities like Yale and Harvard. Yeah. Like, you know, when you walk and they have like the picture, the portrait of like all these, this dude is there. Like Crazy. he's one of these people. Crazy. He, he was a sneaky fuck, wasn't he? Oh, you bet. There you go. Classic. He's a little snake in the grass. And of the finest type too. Because Increase came from a wealthy family and during his life he owned plantations. Because yeah. this oh, is the yeah, era yeah, of yeah, slaves, yeah, so I he know, owned plantations. And, he right. had a lot of money. He was affluential as hell. I mean, this—you're talking about a guy who, again, I, that was a thing, man. In those day, in those years, owning plantations and having slaves work their ass off in it, making it look all pretty and smelling good and shiny. Oh yeah, some of them were even kept until these days, man. Oh, of course, intact. I mean, it, no one knows who, who was who was working behind those things. If you look at it, no. it was all like slaves were forced to do all this work more Crazy. or less i mean that's kind of the deal i mean even to this day you could go and visit many old uh, plantations right? yeah, in the I united know. states and funnily enough i was uh, crazy man recently i was listening to an episode about a crime in one of the plantations oh yeah yeah that's why i remembered this and they mentioned all these things about slaves and it was really really hard to it's how, how these things were yeah. normal, you know, just just another day, a slave master here, let's exchange or trade slaves or whatever. Slave yeah. master. Oh, look, a human being and treat him as if he were property, like a like a piece of like a hammer, like a <sighs> utensil that you use. That's what he a human being is treated. That's another oh, that's boy. another door that we'll we don't want to oh, open yeah, right we'll, now. We'll get to that later. We'll get to <laughs> right. maybe at another time because that's another that's a yeah, whole other yeah. can of worms. But yeah, yeah but I, I don't want to drive you off your tracks here. Right. So increase. He goes on to have plantations, which means he goes to different parts of uh, he goes to islands, of course, where he has money, where he has his plantations and his slaves and so on and so forth. Wealthy guy. He was a man of the church. He was a clergyman. And as such, that's how he ends up in the Bay Colony. By the way, the Bay Colony is the general name of the entire area of Massachusetts where Salem was. Mm. So Salem Village was one of many colonies that makes up the Bay Colony mm. of Massachusetts. And he goes, you know, he's living in this area as a clergyman now, making pretty good money. 
because that's what these guys do. These clergy guys were making good money off of taxes, off of all sorts of like different money that the church that the church makes. He's making bank off of this. Yeah. And he was also a scholar, but he was also a writer and a very good one. And at some point in time, around 1681, Increase Mathers begins to write a book on witchcraft because when he had his plantations he would go around the islands and he would observe and see people and that interest that somehow i guess caught his attention and when he started looking at witchcraft in england and the witch trials that they had over there Mm. he realized that there was a decline in witchcraft cases in the 1680s so he was like, okay, so about 200 years ago in, Eng- in in England and in Europe, there was like a massive rise in people getting sentenced to death because of witchcraft. And right now, no one is getting killed for witchcraft. Yeah. So he starts to, you know, put a little light bulb in his head and he's like, oh, look at that. Just so happens that witchcraft is not really all that popular anymore. Let's spike it up again. What's the whole point behind this? That's what I'm thinking. So I'm like, I'm thinking this guy had a little thought in his mind. So he writes a book. And he writes a book called Remarkable Provinces. And in this book, he discusses, you know, like basically witchcraft in the world. He discusses witchcraft in, in, in different islands and the way that witchcraft existed in Europe. Mind you, this guy is a super religious guy. He's a Puritan. He's a clergyman. So everything is coming from the point of view of witchcraft is evil. Paganism is evil. You should burn in hell. And we have to do whatever we can to protect society from the dark black magic. You can see where this is going. Absolutely. This is a detail that a lot of people don't know about Salem, so keep this man in mind and remember that in 1681, when this guy wrote this book, it did have an effect, but a small one. Okay. So, that leads me to his son that goes by the name of Cotton Mathers. Weird name. These guys have weird names. Like, this man is named Increase, and he names his son Cotton. This is like... Whatever reason, still. All right. Yeah, like, so... Cotton is the son of Increase. He goes to Harvard, as you would imagine. Right. Wealthy guy. Also lives in the Bay Colony in the in the Bay Colony with his father. And this guy actually goes on to become this extremely powerful dude. Like it, Cotton Mathers goes on to become one of the great scholars of his time. And so to this, this day, like, he published like 400 books. Like this really? guy, oh, this Cotton Mathers guy went on to become a hot shot. Like a hot shot in, in like academia in the United States at or the oh, colonies. He's the son of, uh, of Harvard. Yeah. Right. So now you see where the, now you're, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to show you how the tentacles get right. involved into the village because wait for all this. So... He, uh, he's, he, this guy is super influential in his time period. In, in, in the colonies, this guy is just all over the place. And he decides to continue the work of his father by writing in 1689 a book called Memorable Providences. Once again, continuing the lineage right, of talking that's what about I was witchcraft. Yeah, again, yeah. witchcraft, 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 witchcraft. As if they're encouraging something of some sort. That's what I'm saying. What's with all the interest in witchcraft? It seems to... Mind you, Increase Mathers wrote one book. Cotton Mathers would go on to write several. And by the way, 
uh, he like a lot of people at the time a lot of scholars said that the leading figure in talking about witchcraft at this time in the colonies was con mathers even though there wasn't even that much of activities going around well not yet but it's about to be (laughs) oh boy so he was one of the leading guys discussing witchcraft and discussing how you know uh, one of the main things that he would talk about, for example, would be how the Native Americans were, in fact, the work of the devil, that they believed in crazy pagan devil work, and that the Puritans had to do whatever they could to maintain the tradition or else they would burn in hell. It's it, it's all that type of, all right, that type of shit. Right. So this is major here. One of the biggest things that Cotton Mathers writes about is a very important case and this is in my opinion one of the big ones when you tell this this is sort of the beginning this right here is the beginning of this 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 is the event that precludes the start of the killings of the salem witch trials this was not the first this was not the first uh, uh witching stuff there was in 1688 in November before he wrote the Providence uh, Providence books, he uh, he actually started already working on something before where he discussed how nine girls were bewitched by an Irish immigrant named Goody Clover, and how though, uh, according to the story of Cotton Mathers, Goody Clover, who was Irish was accused of bewitching nine young girls and the nine women would go on to put spells on people uh the the one of the the most famous thing about con mathers is he created this whole thing about spectral evidence which is this idea that like when you were possessed by the devil you would be able to the devil would use your face and your likelihood to influence other people so basically zero evidence it's just just (laughs) <laughs> garbage talking like well, what kind of evidence is that oh spectral evidence will become the central thing in everything yeah. spectral evidence will become the whole thing here which by the way How was completely legal by the law for years until like afterwards they were like what well, this is crazy what are we doing here this but is it- reminds me man you're right when you said this is so like close and related to west memphis 3 like how ridiculous in court they would bring evidence just as wearing black t-shirts. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Oh my god! You see Four what I'm saying? Fucking hundred years after. Yeah. Same shit, and think, I bet that's not even the first case. Think about this: 1692 Salem witch trials, 1993, 301 years later, almost to the to the dot. This is really, really it's freaky. Wild. When they say time repeats itself. Oh yeah. It's true. It's oh, all yeah. true. And we've seen it even early in medieval oh. times when we covered that bunch of stories in our series. Right. Anyway. It's a crazy situation because the story of this Goody Glover Irish immigrant who gets uh, caught and, uh, by the way, Goody Glover could not speak English. She okay. spoke Gaelic. Yeah, because she came from Ireland. Place. Yeah. Ir- Irish people at the time were still being con- uh, conquered by the British, so they spoke their I own language. I thought you were saying we're still being cunts. I didn't, I didn't get that. No, I like my Irish people. I would never. I mean, maybe there's They're one or cunty. two. Maybe there's one or two cunty Irish people, but <laughs> there's cunty people all over the world. Let's put it that I love Irish people. Seriously. 
I would never. They gave us, they gave us Irish Jägermeister. <laughs> they gave us Guinness. How could I ever hate Irish people? And they gave us, uh, you know, they gave us a lot of things. I, I would never. True. But in any case, uh, going into, uh, so Cotton Mathers writes this in his book, right? He writes about this case. This causes an uproar. This is major because now this creates the fear, right? Now people up until 1688, 1689, you have the fear of witchcraft because of the books this guy is writing. You have the fact that at the time these uh, colonies are being, you know, they're going to war with Native Americans that are in that are they're in the outskirts fighting them. Yeah. And again, these are just crazy, puritanical, hyper-religious people in general. I mean, it is not a good time. Another interesting theory to quickly throw in there is uh, something called the Little Ice Age. So it is believed that for like 200 years, probably starting around 1500 to about 1700, there was an era where the world was really cold. We talked a little bit about this in the German, um, the cases we had in Germany with the serial killers there. There was, uh, like, Peter Stump and Peter Nears. Mm. They were alive yeah. also during, really? like, 140 years before this. And the idea is, I've heard people say, again, this is just a theory, that during the Little Ice Age, it caused a certain madness in people. For about 150 years, crime was really high and people were really violent because people, because it was cold as hell. Oh, yeah, 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 C- yeah. Crops were dying. People had nothing to eat. So... It was such a miserable time to be alive. Is that where they chopped off their children and sold them as food? Do you know what? Probably. I don't know where you got that that. from. I heard that. Yeah. Really? Mm. That doesn't surprise me at all. It doesn't surprise me at all. People are so crazy, dude, that I'm like, (laughs) We've seen a lot of similar things. Sure, bro. So, this is another theory that this little ice age that had been occurring for 200 years made people nuts. Like, people were so hungry, starved cold tired miserable that they were just out of control anyways this is all of what's happening in this world at this time and i'm leaving out the most important part of all but i think if you you know based on what i just told you about increased mathers cotton mathers do you really believe that this little village is based on the love of god the love of Jesus. Garbage. Garbage. Lies. Lies and slander. Believe it or not, there is an enormous amount of political war happening. And when we start going into the people involved, you're going to see that this is Game of Thrones. This is oh Game God, of so Thrones. Right. This is Game of Thrones level of manipulation. So right. Of 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 just slander, of just you know, I mean, you're going to see the coercion that takes place here, the manipulation. It is just, it really, it, it's something out of a, an, a book. It's something out of a novel. It's really incredible. It really is. So, let's get down to business. 1692. Things are obviously not good in the world. I just explained a little bit of the universe at this time period. We go over to Samuel Paris. Who is Samuel Paris, you might be asking? Ah, that's a good name. Ah, that's a good-ass name. Isn't the world weird? Samuel Paris and <laughs> your hosts of this wonderful podcast live in. <laughs> how does that? It's so weird, man. Like, why? how does that happen? Like, we just happen to be living here, too. But anyways, by the way, his last name was with two R's. 
Oh, okay. So it's not like Paris. Like it, there's an extra R. In right. There. It's uh, it's not like the same thing. But Samuel Paris becomes a very important member of all of this. Samuel Paris is the current minister of Salem Village in 1692. Mm. And Samuel Paris, as the minister, basically what it means is that he's kind of the religious leader of the village. That is what he is. So he makes okay. money. He's making bank. Well, actually, there's going to be more about the money part because that's the whole important part of all of this. What's I've important always... to note about Samuel Paris, he also went to Harvard. Also went to Harvard College as well. All these fucking rich assholes went to Harvard? They all went to the same school, which means they probably all knew each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean obviously. So Samuel Paris, once upon in his life, he was a wealthy businessman. He had a lot of money. You better. And be named Samuel Paris. Yeah. He was an English guy. He think he was born in England and he came to the States. His he family... Thinks. Well, I think. <laughs> I should say. He knows, but now he's dead, so fuck what he thinks because he's right. gone. He doesn't exist anymore. It's what I think that Jesus. matters. Jesus, okay. But Samuel Paris comes to the United States as a small child. Okay. And he inherits a lot of money from plantations because his family owns slaves. They own sugar fields and, like, uh, primarily in Barbados. And when he comes as a grown man, as a businessman over to the United States, to the colonies... He brings his slave from Barbados, and her name is Tichuba. She's really important to this story. I, I thought you were going to say she's really beautiful. I think she was as well. Actually, right. I'm positive she was because I'm almost convinced that he probably he probably raped her, as most slave God, masters why, do. Why do I already know the answer before you even finish? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, can I? Can you disappoint me once? Right? Can I give you hope <laughs> in humanity that he was a good like, guy? But he no, actually he uh, released her as a free person in the end. Oh my God! I hate like shit that. like that. Give me I hate when like, you say these things because then I have to like, disappoint you and everyone when I just right. keep bringing more horrific detail after horrific. I detail. I mean, that's why we're no. here and doing all this bullshit for uh-huh. you all sickos out there. <laughs> so Sam Paris, can I call him that? Sam Paris. He. <laughs> Uh, I think you can. He comes to the United States and he brings over Tichuba with him as his slave, who he had in Barbados. The man inherits all this money. And at a whim, he's like, huh, I think I want to become a man of the church. He was not a man of the church. He just became minister of Salem Village. Right. You just wake up one day and you're like, oh, why not? Let me try that shit out. Let me try it out. Bump more power in my ass. Yeah. (laughs) Just like... (laughs) essentially that's what it is he just decides to take up this position because it would you know obviously at this time being a minister what it means is that all the money the church collects you get a cut of that money all of the money that you collect in taxes you get a cut of that money feeling it's the same today like that's what everybody does today oh absolutely 100 percent god i mean it's really again it goes back to the thing like how are how different are we really how different are we if you really think about it So, Sam Paris, Samuel Paris, he gets to the village. He becomes the minister. Uh, it's important to note that he, uh, there were the ministers that were there before him, had all the at the time Salem Village had gone through four ministers. All of them left really pissed off because here's why: the money that the ministers made, all the money that they got. It was from the villagers. The villagers had to pay his wages. 
So if the villagers didn't like you, they wouldn't have to pay for you. They wouldn't pay your fucking bills. Simple as that. Mm. And they had gone through several of them until it was Samuel Paris's turn, right? Yeah. Keep that in mind. Very important. Also, because, you know, the guy, I mean, this guy doesn't give a shit about the church. Mm. Clearly, this Mm. dude is a business guy who's looking for a good position as a man of the church. Yeah. And he's probably connected somehow to the Mathers. They were both, they were all alumni of Harvard College. And he wanted to collect a solid paycheck. Yeah. yeah. So, why am I mentioning him first? Well, one, because he's powerful. But number two, because he has a daughter named Betty Paris. Elizabeth Paris, short for Betty. She's nine years old. And Abigail Williams, which is 11 years old. And that's his niece. I heard I, I heard about Abigail. I don't know why. I, I feel like I know her. You're about to find out why. Mm. Because Abigail Williams, that name hit... When you talk about Salem, that's one of the first names right. that pops up. Right. I think that's why, yeah. Why is this important? So, in January of 1692, Betty and Abigail begin to display weird behavior. This is when it all begins. The girls are, you know, living their life. All Everything seems to be normal. And then, you know, out of nowhere... They start convulsing, you know, freaking out, having attacks, wailing at the sky, screaming. Oh, like, like, you know, like we've seen that shit before. Yeah. So they're starting to, you know, they start freaking out and acting crazy. Nobody knows what's going on. So what they decide to do is they decide to call the doctor. Of course, there's no medicine. So the guy comes over because normally that's the idea. That's what happens. They bring him in to examine the girls. Well, the girls are acting crazy. They're screaming. They're yelling. There's hysteria kind of action. Perfect word, actually. Mass hysteria is the exact word. So the doctor comes in and the girls are acting. They're throwing these massive fits. And he says, well, we can't explain what's happening. There's nothing. I mean, there's nothing that could explain what's going on. So as the doctors, especially Puritan doctors at the time would do, they decide that it's time for the girls to be examined for witchcraft. Oh, no, there's an exam for witchcraft? Yeah. You would sit. You, you bet your ass. You bet they. your ass they do, baby boy. Puritanism. Wow. Puritan what do they check you? Check your... Uh your fever degree, they check your, what what's what's the test uh-huh. for a witchcraft exam? I got you right now, Walk baby me through boy. It. Walk I got me you through I got you hole. right now. Alright. So here's what happens. They decided to do a couple of different tests, right? In order to find out if the girls are possessed. One of the big things that they decide to do is they decide to bring animals to see if the animals act strange in front of the girls. So like if the dog How it's, is that a test? Don't ask me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, I'm. I don't know. I'm playing it in my head as a as a as a movie. I'm trying to trying to find a logic. Were they dumb back then or something? I don't know. Or was that all the act? Um, I would I say wonder. it's a combination of factors. Poor education. Uh, with the you God. know, mind you, these people really do believe this thing. Like they do, like they really. 
they don't have any other they don't have anything else i mean like if you compare religion you know? to it's uh, it's kind of the same yeah. way today i mean mind you these people i mean they really didn't know anything better like this is all they know so it's just like well you know she's uh, she's jumping up and down and it must be the devil like what else could it possibly be like they really don't know anything yeah else. i get it, i get it yeah. so they bring the dog in the dog is just like i'm a dog <laughs> 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 just like all right, I'm a dog. Uh, he's like, why am I here? Like, they're like, do your thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, poor doggy. <laughs> so, uh, what ends up happening is they're like, okay, we need to continue to perform more tests on the poor girls. Keep in mind, this entire time they live with Samuel Paris, one of the most powerful men in the whole village. He's Their the father, minister right? of the church. He is the father and the uncle of the other girl. Keep all of this in mind. So, and it just so happens, by the way, that remember I said before how, like, the ministers get their wages from the people? Mm. It just so happens that in 1691, months before all of this kicks off, the villagers decided to not give him any more money. Keep in mind that this was happening. Why? Months before. Really? They weren't happy with him, so they weren't paying his wages. Yeah, you said that happens. It would happen a lot. And it started to happen to him who took the position from another man who we'll discuss later into the story. All right. Okay. So all of this, keep it in your mind as these two girls are possessed by demons, by witchcraft. They're bewitched. So here oh, so is... at this point, they were able to prove that these girls are possessed. I'm going to get to this. Okay. Let's go back to Tichuba. Right. The, the slave lady. The slave. Lady. The slave woman is called over by a neighbor. Mm. I don't know. I couldn't find information on who the neighbor exactly was, but one of the neighbors calls Tichuba over and says, you know, you work with the girls. You're the slave. You're the slave in the house. Maybe you can try a folk tale concoction that will help further the investigation to see if the girls are actually possessed or bewitched, right? Tichuba says, well, I mean, I guess I could help in some way, you know. Let me make shit up. Right. Here's the thing. The neighbor, they give, uh, what they do is they give this weird cocktail that involves urine. What? And Yeah, they have like this weird, they have this weird liquid concoction made of urine, made of other plants. Like an alcohol, uh, like an uh, modern alcohol <laughs> Like some uh, fermented, cocktail. yeah, like some fermented freaking moonshine or something. I really don't know what it is. But they Why give. Why they have urine? 1692. 1692. Just, just go with it. So they give the concoction to Tichuba. And then they tell her that she has to put this liquid inside of a cake. And sure. basically, they feed the cake to a dog. All right. And the dog, after eating the cake, will be able to point out the culprit. He can point out the Well, I guess with his nose, it goes like... Mm? <laughs> <laughs> you should see John right now. How he, how he uh, tried to uh, imitate the dog and pointing out the victims. I'm using Scooby-Doo as, like right. as like my inspiration for this. <laughs> like Just like... Oh. I, actually, that's a yes, like perfect example. Trying. I'm trying the best that I can here. Imagine Scooby-Doo pointing out the victims. Oh, my goodness. So... What they do is Tichuba goes ahead 
She gives the cake over to the dog that to bring the dog in. The dog again is a dog. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just like I'm yeah, sorry, this is not funny, but like I'm, oh, it obviously is. there's like it I is mean funny. it is the way that they do it's it, but there was insane. lives lost because of this fucking ignorance. You know, we're not trying to make fun of that. It's just that the ways that they pull the shit off is just ridiculous. It is absolutely poor uh, dogs has to be involved in fucking eating chocolates and cakes and die of poisoning a couple of days after. Right. So here is where you can draw your own conclusions, but here's an important point. Well, the cake is given to the slave woman, who then gives it to the children. The ch uh, Rather, sorry, to the dog. The dog points out the girls or whatever. That's not the point, right? The point is this. After this occurs, one of the neighbors goes to the police and to Samuel Paris and says, Hey, I need to tell you something. I believe that Tichuba was giving weird witchcraft to the girls. You like, fucking made her do it. Right. So what does that make you think is going on? They want to accuse the slave. They're framing her, right? So they're framing this woman. They're trying to accuse her. Well, they framed the whole thing and set it all up, and she was just trying to help, but they're really trying to frame God. her the entire time. Oh, boy. So, what happens is Tichuba and her husband, she has like a slave husband who lives with her, and they both get accused then of bewitching the two young girls. So, what ends up happening, Tichuba gets accused of these crimes. Tichuba is framed. Of course, she is a slave woman. And, I mean, I mean, I don't think I have to say it here. You have a Puritan society that is obviously racist. Yeah. They, uh, mind you, this is a woman from Barbados that is dark-skinned. They are racist. They are also at war with Native Americans who are dark-skinned. There is, a, yeah. there is a, a racist hysteria at play here. And the easiest person to frame would be a slave. Mm -hmm. Very easy person that they could throw under the bus right but you're gonna find out that there's so much more going on here and this is just the beginning this is just the beginning so as this happens news reaches salem that the town of york which is not too far from here is attacked right yeah so the town of york isn't too far away they get attacked by natives natives start to attack them the, re the news reaches as the whole thing with Abigail and Betty is happening. And then Mercy Lewis, remember that name? Yeah. yeah she yeah. comes back into the story. And she, when she hears all of this, she starts to have fits too. Mm. So when all the girls are freaking Stop out freaking. and oh my God, oh, so Mercy Lewis joins them and she says that she is possessed as well. Oh, it's like, come on, girl, stop. You're fucking just making yourself more of an obvious. Right. <sighs> and there's a lot of different explanations for this, mind you. I mean, you have somebody who actually survived an attack, so she did witness something as a little girl. You could say that she was going through trauma. She's now 18 years old, by the way, so she's now, like, a grown woman almost. You could say that she's going through trauma from the attack from when she was a child years earlier you can say uh, a lot of things but 
let's go into who Mercy Lewis is and where she lives. Yeah. Mercy Lewis is a servant. She is not rich. Mercy Lewis is living in the village and she is helping. Uh, she's living for the Putnams. What is that? The Putnams are a family in Salem Village. And oh, she okay. is one of their servants. So, we talked a little bit about Samuel Paris and about those the people that initially started everything in 1692. Yeah. Let's talk about the Putnams now. The okay. second family and why they're important. In comes Mercy Lewis, who is the servant now for this family. Yeah. Right? The Putnams are one of the two most powerful families in the entire village. Why is that the case? Because why? the Putnams, they also came from England, I think some 60 years before, and they had established a pretty powerful, they established a fairly powerful uh, business through agriculture and through different businesses. Okay. So within Salem Village, they were one of the most powerful families. They were, these people had a lot of influence. They ran right. shit. Okay, and Mercy Lewis was one of their servants? She was what? one of the servants of the okay, family. I see. Right? Yeah. So, just to put some things into perspective here, the main patriarch of the family was Thomas Putnam Jr. He was the guy that was running the show at this time for this family. Mm. Thomas Putnam Jr. and most of his family members were also members of the government. They were running, they were inside of the magistrate. Uh, he had one of his sons was married off to another woman uh, who was another member of a powerful family that ends up becoming enemies to the Putnams. We'll talk about them later. Okay. But the Putnams were unbelievably powerful and just so happened to be really good friends with Samuel Paris. Really good buddies. Well, rich families are friends. Sure are. So what happens is the Putnams now, with all their power and influence... Well, now they get involved because it just so happens that Mercy and Putnam, who is 12 years old, Anne's mother, so the, the wife of Thomas, uh, of Thomas, who is 30, Anne's cousin, Mary Walcott, who is age 17, are all now possessed by demons as well. Oh, it's getting like viral? Now it's getting viral. How? Like just like people seeing each other freaking out, they so they freak out more or something? Yep. Oh it my is. god, so it is mass hysteria. It is mass hysteria. But it's not just mass hysteria. Keep in mind who is getting infected at this time. You have this Paris guy who is a minister that's not getting any money. So he's not getting any money from taxes, so he's pissed. His his daughter and his niece get sick, supposedly bewitched by a slave woman. And then the t the Putnams, who are a powerful family, the most influential, and friends of Samuel Paris just happen to be the next family that get infected as well. Huh. What Isn't a coincidence. slipping something in these fucking teenagers' drinks? Think about it. Think Some about it. Some mushrooms or some freaking herbs that made them go nuts. Interesting you mentioned that. Just so happens that one of the theories about the infections is a thing called ergot, which is an herb. And they say that at the time, this herb, it grows in the plantations. So, you know, you the can trace everything back to fucking science if at some point. Well, so the ergot plant, it is supposed to be this herb that exists. And when you harvest it and you are exposed to it, 
you get hallucinations and you go crazy. Really? So there is a theory that these girls were under the influence of ergot and were going nuts because of it and they didn't have any idea because... And it's always the devil when, like, you know, a religious family, they of course. anything go wrong, it's the devil. Oh, it's, it's the devil's work, but it's probably right. just this plant that was making you go nuts. This is a theory. We'll get back to that a little later. So this is the next family that gets possessed that is bewitched right yeah at this point things go nuts all the putnams blame tichuba as well so mm. they're like oh it was a slave woman she did it to us as well she came to us in the night they mentioned that she took the shape of a cat or a dog and that the you know like stuff like that that right. they had been possessed and that a spectral image of a dark that a black dog really being controlled by Tichuba and the devil had come to, to, to turn them crazy, to, to turn them into witches. So all these things start to happen. Now you have these two families accusing Tichuba, and on March of 1692, a couple of months after the initial, uh, the initial possessions, yeah. seven more women start to act up as well. Freaky. So they start to go... They start to go crazy as well. They start to become bewitched. I really feel like this is a plan. Sure is. So crazy. All of this starts to happen. Now, what happens is this. Because a lot of these are young girls, according to the laws at the time, you couldn't do a formal complaint because they were children. So mm. adults started to also accuse Tichuba. So really? once people that were adults started to accuse Tichuba as well of being uh, of bewitching them, then they can file former complaint, formal complaints that they could bring to the court to condemn her or to sentence her to something. That's so sad. She can't even speak for herself. No, not at all. I mean, you're talking about a, a, a slave. 1690 slave. I mean, no one's going to believe her. Even if she defends herself, no one's going to believe what she's saying at all. That's really... Fucked up. It's really fucked up. Sure is. So, what do you think? Are you tired? No, no, I, I, I like it. I like it's it. It's good. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I, I was thinking of getting a beer because I'm, I'm getting into it. Yeah. What I'll do is when we get to a good part, we'll be do like a, thing, you know, like you're gonna have to check in for part two, and then we'll just knock it out, and then we'll slice it. Cause it's gonna be long, dude. Are you sure? This is a good, this, I mean, this is, I'm trying, you see the story I'm trying to tell here? I'm trying to tell a nice fucking conspiracy yeah, theory, I mean, like you know? One hour and a half is fine. Right. Okay, here we go. So, Tichuba gets accused, and what they do is they bring two magistrates from uh, into Salem Village by the names of John Hathorne and Jonathan Corwin. By the way, <laughs> as you would expect, John Hathorne and Jonathan Corwin are buddies of Samuel Paris. This guy has friends too. Everything. Everyone here is connected, including Cotton Mathers. This guy is also one of the one of the guys who like is writing these books and then giving it to the court. So Cotton Mathers, by the oh, way, he's writing these books and he's giving it, it to the magistrates, like, oh, this these are this these are the Butter rules we up. have to follow. So these are the rules I see that's if it's like a fucking Bible. She's like buttering yeah. the... the oh They're using God. a book that a guy is writing as, as a law. legitimate law. Yeah. As a law. Yeah, well, a guy in power. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's insane. 
It's absolutely insane what these people are doing. But what they do is they do a pre-trial with Tichuba. They bring a bunch of people in. They get Tichuba. Uh, they bring her in and they sit her down and they try to elicit a confession from her. So this is classic, again, West Memphis 3 or just any of these cases where they try to frame someone. And Tichuba says, look, I don't know anything. I've never talked to anyone. Somebody gave me a cake to give it to the to, to the dog because somebody gave it to me. I don't know what. I'm just trying to help. I really don't know what's going on. They don't listen to her at all. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So they don't listen to her. They don't pay attention to what she says. And then what they do is they start to basically beat her down. Another really? thing they do. Not, not, uh, they did oh, hit like her physically. Yeah, like no. S- like emotionally. Samuel Paris beat her actually. He right. whipped her. To I mean, get her to confess. So before the night before the actual pre-trial, gave her a beating. Samuel Perez took a whip and hit her and told her, you have to confess for your sins, you witch, for what you did to my daughter. Like he hit her. Oh, my God. So that this she would be ridiculous. Right. So. Oh, boy. They're basically drilling her with questions, instigating. Why did you do this? How could you do this to the girls? How could you bewitch them? Where? Where is Just the devil that you're talking to? Who is he? And, you know, she's like, I'm not talking to anyone. I never did anyone. Tell us the truth. This is what they do. In the trial, Abigail and Betty are sitting in the front row. What? They didn't say anything? And every time that Tichuba looks at the girls, the girls go, ah, she's she's infecting me. Fucking racist cunts. Yep. I mean, not only that, but every there it's almost like it's cued. It's almost like they have the whole thing set up. So the girls start to overreact. This is so sad. Every this time that Tichuba says something. So they're like, they're like, oh, I, right now, I just saw a black cat in the windowsill. What is that? Like they start to have convulsions and they start to have visions every time that Tichuba moves her hand, every time that she looks. Oh, Tichuba did something else. So, 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 Tichuba sitting there. Not You're right what to when do. you said it's a mixture of two, probably like actually, like hysteria or even like an act, faking an act. Yeah. Just because. It's it's an act. It's it's a, almost like, like a black woman is in, now. Just go. Okay, she's the one who did it. Basically. Oh my God. So Tichuba is confused, doesn't know what to do, of course, and then they decide to mimic what she says. So Tichuba says, "I I never encount I never saw the women on the night of February or the night of January." And the girls repeat, "I never saw the girls on the night of February on the night of January." Oh, sorry. It's just. Tichuba started to control our minds, and that's why we repeated Are what she said. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. yeah. That's too much of that's, a bullshit. Oh, dude. that's what, and So this it was is like just, a clown play in a theater. This was a minstrel show. This oh, my was, God. These girls were performing and repeating everything that she said, and then they said, Oh, it's, she's just, she's just contaminated. She's Somehow manipulating I can her minds. this. Somehow I can see this clearly in my head, like the, exactly how it was, because we've seen very things, uh, very situations that is very similar to that case. But and this would happen many, many, many more times. So Tichuba gets drilled, questioned, you know, and 
we've seen this in many, many cases in life. Many court cases work this way, of where course, someone is intimidated and coerced into confessing for, for something they never actually did, and eventually Tichubuk confesses to the crime. So sad. So fucking sad. And she confesses not only to being uh, to being possessed by the devil. But Tichuba also offers up names of two witches. Really? Yeah. So what, she reveals that there was another witches? Correct. Okay, go ahead. So this is what she does. She confesses to the names of two women and two other people with unknown names. Tichuba offers up the names of Goody Osborne and Sarah Good. Very important names, and I'm going to explain And those are why. real people? Those are real people in the village. And she throws them under the bus and says that they were also witches, and that they were the ones that were infecting the little girls along with Tichuba. Oh, my God. So now she's like, if you're taking me down, I'm bringing everybody with me. Right. Here is a little piece of information that we have to keep in mind. Why... Goody Osborne and why Sarah Good. Let's talk about it. Go ahead. First of all, Sarah Good was actually a beggar. All right. She was a poor person. She was a beggar in Salem Village who had no money and nobody liked her. What a surprise. Nobody liked Sarah Good. And her name she, was Sarah Good? Sarah Good. God. She was hated in the village, mostly seen as a beggar, mostly seen as somebody who nobody cared about. And Goody Osborne, funny enough, is a very important person in all of this. Because Sarah, uh, sorry, Goody Osborne yeah. just so happens to have been married to one of the brothers of Thomas Putnam Jr. Oh, so she was like a rich lady. Yes. Actually, no. This Not is what happens. This is what happens. Goody Osborne used to be married to one of the to one of the one of the uh, members of the Putnam family but, but she gets divorced from the guy and she ends up marrying a slave what she ends up marrying a slave why cuz she's so humble and perfect goody osborne ends up marrying a slave and she ends up divorcing the putnam that she was married to but here's the thing she has a claim to the inheritance money. She has a claim to the money in the inheritance. Okay. Because she used to be his wife and they had a child. So. She gets a chunk of the money. She could get a chunk of the money and take it all away from the Putnams. Who just so happens to be the second family that was possessed. What a coincidence. See where it's all happening right, here? Right, I know, yeah, yeah. So, that's who Goody Osborne is. Why would, why would the... Why would Tichuba confess? Right, yeah. Huh, I wonder why. Hmm, she lives with Samuel Paris. Samuel Paris is her slave master. Put two and two together. What do you think he told her the night before? Just putting oh it... Oh my in. God, that does make sense. See? Put that, keep that all in your mind of what's happening here. So you think he told her, I want you to fucking throw these people under the bus? Why else? Makes perfect sense, right? Actually, it does. You see how all of these things start to connect in this village, right? So, she throws. She talks about Goody Osborne, Sarah Good, 
she th offers she offers up their names and then a tall man that is supposed to be the devil but she says she can't see his face and an unknown woman who uh you know there's no name to her now what ends up happening is that because this is a pre-trial they can't arrest goody osborne or sarah good right away because this is just a mock trial this isn't like yeah, a real yeah, trial yeah. but they arrest tichuba and they put her in custody okay so what ends up happening is that Sarah Good and uh, and Goody Osborne they are eventually arrested as well because of the because of the fact that they were throw they were they were offered up as names by Tichuba so they get arrested and they get thrown into Salem jail which is we're going to talk more about that a little bit later uh, Tichuba offers up seven more names. She offers up seven more witches. Really? Yes. She offers up more names. That's fucking crazy. And this is when the whole thing blows up, and now more people and more people start getting accused of crimes, and uh, it just goes out of it gets out of control. It just so happens that what's what's kind of very interesting is that some of the people here that get accused happen to be outcasts of the village what a surprise so what like we said before surprise, yeah. sarah good happens to be an enemy of the most powerful family in the village oh she gets accused of being a witch uh when you talk about uh sarah good she gets uh she gets she's a beggar yeah she's yeah, a beggar yeah, yeah. so she is kind of she's an outcast uh, Giles, Giles, Jill's Corey, and Martha Corey are both also offered up as names. Uh, the, this is a couple. The Martha and G Giles Corey are a couple who had a decent amount of money. Martha Corey was a very religious woman in her 60s. Giles Corey, who's going to come up later in a crazy story, he is also offered up as a name. But he is known for having money, but being like a wild, dumb farmer. Like he just gets into fights with people, so people don't like him. So any you want to throw someone under the bus and kill him yeah. legally? Just yeah. accuse them of witchcraft. Essentially, this is fucking ridiculous. People start getting accused left and right. And Putnam and Mercy Lewis, they keep accusing more people. And around the time that all this is happening, spectral evidence, again, the idea of cotton of Cotton Mathers goes to John Hathorne because like we said before, they're buddies. They know each other. John Hathorne decides to use the spectral evidence to then uh, basically, again, what this basically means is now they have a reason of, they have a good reason to convict someone before you couldn't just convict somebody. You couldn't just say, well, you know, someone accused you of being a witch. So you're under arrest and we have to convict you. They couldn't do that. So what would happen is with under spectral evidence, what that meant was if you said, oh, the, uh, this person was, was possessing me and they showed up as a demon or as a ghost to try to turn me evil. Yeah. If you said that, that was good enough to convict somebody and send them to jail or kill them. That is spectral evidence. All you needed. That's why it's called spe spectral evidence. Yeah, because it was a specter. It was saying like, oh a ghost not really I, materialized I, 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 oh yeah i was like i've experienced a ghost okay that's all you need you're going you we, we we're gonna kill you now can you imagine how Insanity. easy it was to die that easy for no reason that easy one minute wow. you're here the next minute you're gone all because somebody said that 
you came to them as a ghost of a as a demon as a specter trying to take over their mind it's the same bullshit man they're gone wow so the hysteria continues more and more girls in Salem Village start to, uh, they start to act like they're possessed or they start to act like they're really? becoming witches. There was more numbers? And the numbers actually become insane. It is believed that in the entire Salem Witch Trials, which took place for one year in total, I think like 200 people were accused of being witches. And they were actually going mad uh, or like just random accusations thrown at people. No, I mean, these are not, I mean, you could say they're random, but I'm, what I'm I will be looking at is that they're not random. Like, there's a reason right. why people are getting accused. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody, something along the way is Just connected getting, to somebody. Cleaning the city, getting rid of each other. Exactly. They're, what they're doing is they're cleaning their hands. This person bothers me. Let's get rid of them. What a fucking way. But we'll get more into that in a little bit. So, April 1692. The hysteria is in full swing at this point. Like April, May, it is out of control at this point. Everyone is being accused. People are getting accused left and right of, of crimes and all sorts of different things. And the whole Salem is in red alert. It's all on, in red alert. It's just, it's absolutely, absolutely uh, an absolute mess. At the end of April, 10 people are in jail at this point. Tichuba's in jail. Uh, I believe uh, Osborne Good is in jail and a couple others as well. So you now said you said it gets higher. I get. I mean, I said two hundred. That happens later, later, later. Like that right. happens. But I'm just telling you, in April, this all starts in January. We're about three, four months in, and there's already ten people. There's ten people locked up at this point in the Salem jail because of these accusations. Mm. The Let's discuss a little bit about the jail itself. The jail is basically a wooden barn. It's like this big wooden building, and the conditions were horrific. I mean, a it's wooden freezing. barn as a jail, I would imagine. Yeah. But, I mean, keep in mind, this is Massachusetts. It's April. It's really cold. Oh, yeah. This, there's also an ice age happening, like a small right. ice age. Some people were dying from cold. Well, it just so happens that... Uh, Sarah Good, remember the beggar that yeah, we talked about yeah. who was in the jail? Yeah. They uh, they also put her four-year-old daughter in jail with her. No. Yeah. This is fucking cruel, man. Her four-year-old daughter was also thrown into that jail with humans her. humans is this? Her four-year-old daughter, by the way, eight months later, eight months of being in that jail, she ends up going insane. She loses her mind. Oh, my God. She, yeah. I thought you'd say, like, she she passes away. But even worse. Yeah. A little kid losing his mind, for real. So, little girl loses her mind. Ten people are in prison. Here's another little uh, fact for you. The prisoners. Yeah. They, you know, in order to survive, they need to eat and drink, right? Or else they're going to just, their humans are going to die. Yeah. They had to pay for their own food. How? You're a fucking prison. You're in prison. You can't even work. Exactly. You're in a fucking dope barn. Well, here's what ends up happening, How right? These people so are dumb. Some of the people, like, they have a few coins, so and they're starving, so they're like, okay, we'll pay you. And they give, they had to give, like, the little, like, the coins that they had, they had to give them the money so that they could be given water and bread. Other ones couldn't pay, 
But what they would do... What, suck it, their dicks or something? Close. What they would do is they would just add taxes to it. So they'd be like, okay, you owe us money then. You, we'll give <laughs> that you this is water close. and this bread. <laughs> it is. It's basically, it's basically figuratively yeah. speaking, it's Different like you're, flavor. You're, you're giving, it's like you're, I'm going to be on your knees sucking their dicks for like the rest <laughs> of time. It's, it's, hor- it's horrifying. This these is, people are assholes. These people are the worst. So they basically, yeah, they basically accumulated debt it was just like, okay, well, you're gonna, we're going to give you bread and we're going to give you water. But you also need to, um, you're going to need to pay us that money at some point. So you owe us. Keep that in mind for later. Yeah. So all of this is happening. And I want to go back to the two magistrates that are taking care of all this, right? We talked yeah. about Corwin and we talked about Hawthorne. Jonathan Corwin has uh, he has a, a brother or a cousin and his name is George Corwin. George Corwin is the sheriff of the village. Why is this important? Well, this is what happens. So, sorry by the way, George Corwin is the nephew of okay. Jonathan. He's the he's the nephew of Jonathan Corwin. He as the sheriff, of course. He must, uh, he's the one that shows up and takes the witches and arrests them and sends them away, right? Because yeah, he's the head yeah. of the police. It just so happens that George Corwin, while he's on duty, collect, you know, arresting all of the witches, he decides to collect the money and confiscate the property of all the witches. And he takes it all for himself. So when he Sneaky little miss. So this motherfucker comes in, he goes in, arrests the witches, takes them away, and then when no one's looking, he's like, Oh look, they snatch have a watch. off their place. Let me take the watch. Oh, they've got five pounds and they have fine five coins. Let me take that for myself. Oh, they have this pottery. I think I'm gonna take that Classic, for myself. Man. This guy who just so happens to be the nephew of the magistrate who is condemning people and convicting them. Why is it almost like that? There you go. There you go. The guy is taking all the money that he's confiscating from all of the supposed witches and taking all the money and all the property for himself as all of this is happening. As if, like, I don't know, man. People get sometimes so blinded by greed and... This void consumes them, and it's just, you know, like all these materialistic things. They think it matters when they only hold this shit, whatever they stole, for another few years, and you're you're buried in the ground, yeah. eaten by fucking worms. What they, are you going to do with all that? And not only that, but you think about how the, these guys had a full business. It is. It is. The magistrates, who are friends with the most powerful families in the village, who are friends with the ma- with the minister... They're all in on it. They arrest the people. The nephew collects the money from the people get are, that are getting thrown in jail, and they get rich off of it. It's all a perfectly orchestrated Fucking scheme easy. to get a lot of money by convicting people. And it just so happens that they can use these young girls who are impressionable, who have no voice, who can just be swayed, who can be influenced, and who can be manipulated by all these powerful older guys that are telling them what to do. Were those families were those families able to keep that power and money for the years to come? Let's talk about it. Okay. So 
now let's discuss a little bit more about what's happening here. Now, there is more happening that's going to make all of this make sense. We, I, I wanted to quickly mention that the way that the sheriff is collecting the money, remember Thomas Putnam Jr., remember that guy, yeah. the, the, the leader of the Putnam family? Right, yeah, yeah. He just so happens to be the plaintiff in all the cases. So in other words, he's the guy who is signing off on all of the trials against the witches. He's it's, the guy signing off on all of It's like it. a team. It's a team. Working together yeah. just to find a way, a legal way, to, you know, kill all these people. All these, like, poor, weak people who has no power. Basically. Not even to defend themselves. It's really totally sad. unfair. Yeah. And you start to see the connections. I mean, you could almost build the web, the web of just of power here. So, let's discuss more about... I need to discuss this. This is hugely important here. Now... We said the Putnams, very powerful family. Yeah. We talked about Sam Paris, Samuel Paris, once a businessman, now a minister. He's not making any money. All of these things are happening. And then, of course, you have the Corwins, the Hathorns, all of these people who also went to Harvard, by the way. You start to see the web and these connections of these powerful people. But what are they fighting for exactly, right? They want money. Yeah. But why do they yeah. want money? So let's talk about what's actually happening financially in this village at the time so what's happening is this salem village is here okay it's in this area and salem town is about five miles away mm. now one of the things that's happening is that there is a church in salem town that everybody goes to most people would walk about five miles to the church in Salem town where they would pay their taxes to the church. Yeah. Right? They would give all their money over there to Salem town. Paying How taxes to the church. However, we have Salem town. We have Salem village. Yeah. These two, uh, and they, there's a church in Salem town that everybody goes to. There is no church in Salem village. It's in the town. Right, so they would have to go to the other place yeah, to be able to pay their taxes. This is important because the Putnams, they are advocating for making a church in Salem Village. And you might be asking yourself, well, why is that? Because if they create their own church in Salem Village, mm. they can impose the taxes there and then the people will pay the money there. And guess who gets all the money from the taxes in Salem Village? The Putnams. Because they're the ones advocating for it. And who, really would smart. Be the, and who would be the minister of said church? Samuel Paris. Yeah. Because he lives in Sam he lives in Salem Village himself. So it's gonna be obvious. This becomes a massive debate. Whether or not they can build a village in or rather that they could build a church in salem village and then they could just go there the putnams are advocating for this hard in fact nathaniel putnam who happens to be the older uh the older uh sibling of the putnam family he's the one really advocating for the separate for not just the creation of the church in salem village but he also wants to separate salem village 
from Salem town. Yeah. They want to divide it. And the reason they want to do this is because they want to appoint themselves as the governors and the leaders of Salem village so that they can collect money in taxes through the church and through the government there, instead of having to pay the taxes over to Salem town where they don't even live. So, you know, when you try when you start to connect the dots, it all makes sense somehow. All these fucking conspiracies, man. It's just crazy. It starts to pile up. Yeah. And you start to see the connections here between this family and why this is oh, all definitely. happening. Yeah, yeah. So what ends up happening is that the Putnams, along with Samuel Paris, along with Hathorne, and all of these people that are involved in accusing people and sentencing them happen to be in support of building a church. But as you would imagine, there is another side. There are the people who do not want there to be a separation. Yeah. Those are the people that are being accused of being witches. Okay. All Boom. right. Connect one and one. And yeah. You, yeah, and yeah. you can see yeah. what's happening right here. Yeah. So there are a group of people in the village who do not want to create separation. They want to stick to the church. They want to stick to Salem town. They don't want to separate. And of such is a family called the Porters. The Porters are the second, actually, the first most powerful family in this village. It's not the Putnams. The Putnams, in fact, are the second most powerful family and in Salem Village. And there's another family that is more powerful than them? And there's another family called the Porters who also came from England. They made their money through agriculture, through business, and in 1692... In 1691, in the beginning of all of this madness, the Porters start to make more money than the Putnams. And the Putnams don't like it. And most importantly of all, the Porters, they want to keep Salem Town and Village together. So that causes this family war between these two powerful families in Salem Village yeah, who yeah. absolutely hate each other. Because they want different things. Obviously, yeah. And that's when you start to again, you start to see the you start to see the power moves here. You start to see the evil. You start to see how this is really just a war for profit. That's it what's is, man. Here. It's scary. It's fucking scary. It's uh it's absolutely terrifying. So the ch the opponents and the supporters, that's kind of what splits this village down the middle. That's the war. And it just so happens that the Putnams who at this time are not financially doing that well. They're still very rich, but they're losing to the Porters. The Porters are winning the war. They're losing the war of money. The Putnams are out for revenge. Yeah, they're out yeah. to get their money back. They're out to become number one again. Mm. This is all happening with the help and support of, again, the Cotton Mathers, Hawthorne, uh, Crowell, and uh, all of the, you know, Samuel Paris. Oh, so, yeah, all the big so families. So these people are trying to get that money back. They're trying to get that. They're trying to get it all in return. That's really what's happening. It does make sense, man. It's, uh, it's, it all, you know, it, when you really think about it, it's kind of crazy how these people that are being accused of witches also happen to be on the wrong side. Right, yeah. They're the opponents yeah, of what these yeah, guys want yeah. so they can collect money. Yeah. Okay. Eventually, what ends up happening is that the the Putnams, in total, not just Anne Putnam and, and Mercy Lewis, who is a servant, but also Edward Putnam, 
and all the family members are responsible for accusing 181 people of crimes. They accused 181 people of doing things, and many of them, the majority of them, participated in actual cases. Edward Putnam participated in 13 cases. Jonathan Walcott, who was a member of the family, participated in seven. He was the brother-in-law. Really? Of, he was the brother-in-law of one of the Putnams. Yeah, He married yeah, off yeah, to yeah. one of the girls. So you start to see the connections here. Yeah. This is uh, this is kind of a major thing, and now you understand a little bit of the politics and everything that's happening in this village. Yeah, what's it going starts on. to fucking form. So all come around together. As all of this is happening and more people get accused of these things, we get to my personal favorite character in this entire thing. And actually, the he was the minister before Samuel Paris, believe it or not. He was the guy in charge of the church before Samuel. What happened to him? Who is that person? And his name is George Burroughs. Okay. He, he was the minister before Samuel Paris. Sir George. And Sir George, he was in office between 1680 and 1683. All right. Yeah. Now, what happens with George is that when he was the minister, he went off to uh, he he absolutely he was actually a scholar and a brilliant one. He also went to Harvard. All these guys went to Harvard College. Man, it's crazy. He went on to have a very successful career. He went on to do lots of uh, he was he was one of the finest Harvard students that they had at the time. And when he became a minister, he really didn't like it too much, to be honest with you. He was not a big fan of it. And after only three years of being minister, the people stopped paying his wages. So they didn't want to pay him any more money. Really? He was really angry and pissed about it. And one of the biggest problems with George Burroughs is that when the people stopped paying his wages, he didn't have any money. So much like uh, people would run to the Lannisters in Game of Thrones for some oh, cash, God. George Burroughs went to uh, Paris. He went to Putnam. Oh, to the Because Putnam the Putnams family. had a lot of money to give, and he he loaned some money from them. So this all happened in the 1680s, some 10 years before the events of the, of the Salem Witch Trials. But this is important. So he gets some money from the Putnams. And after he gets this money, they he leaves with the money and he moves to Maine. He leaves. He just goes to another town. He doesn't stay there anymore. Mind you, George Burroughs was the first guy that lived with Mercy Lewis when they were attacked by the by the natives. Yeah. When Mercy was hiding under the bed. Yeah. Was it he? was George Burroughs who was the master, who was her master at the time. Really? But yeah. he didn't die during the... But he ran away. He oh, saw the okay. natives coming and he hid somewhere and he disappeared and he survived the attack. I see. This is important for so later. this guy is still in the picture. He's still in the picture. However, at the time of the Salem Witch Trials, he is not living in Salem Village. He is in Maine. Yeah, okay. During all of this. And what ends up happening is that he has to come back at some point because he gets accused of witchcraft years before by the Putnams. They accuse him of witchcraft 
And when he goes to court, this is not the Salem Witch Trials. This is before that. Yeah. He yeah. manages to convince them because he's a really smart guy that uh, that he he paid his debts and everything, and that they decided to loan him money, and that they couldn't accuse him of something that he didn't do. He wins the trial, and because of this, the Putnams are furious. They're really pissed off that this guy managed to win one over on them in yeah. court, in the in, in in the court of law. So. George Burroughs gets a W over the Putnams. The Putnams are furious that this guy got one over on them. And they still want their money. That's what I'm saying, even though he took their money. (laughs) I mean, good for you, bro. Basically got out with the cash, ran out, and that's it. So, George Burroughs is living his life in Maine, far away from Salem Village, doing his own thing. When on April 20th of 1692, Ann Putnam accuses him of devil work. Huh. Surprise. Oh, my God. So, obviously, this thing is just, it's just like choice number one. If you want to want to get rid of someone, witchcraft. And not only that, but Ann Putnam also says that George Burroughs is the leader of the pack. So she, really? not, so she's like, oh, George Burroughs. It was George Burroughs. He's he the was the leader of the whole pack. He was the he was the leader of them all. He was the leader of the whole sect. Oh my God. Well, he took your money. Yeah. I mean, makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Right? Huh? What a surprise. So George Burroughs is then summoned to come to Salem Village, all the way from Maine. He sent him a note. An emissary, hey, look, dude, you got to come. You got to show up to court. You're being accused of witchcraft. This becomes massive news. This is huge because George Burroughs was the minister before Samuel Paris. Yeah. And uh, they bring him in. The trial for George Burroughs is absolutely insane. The trial for this guy is massive. They... Apparently, it was so big that people came in from Boston just to see this trial. And they did everything to accuse him in the law, in the court of law. They basically, they said that when he was minister, he had never been actually ordained. So he was never properly accepted as a minister. So that was sacrilege. It was blasphemy. How could this man be a minister if he's never properly been ordained to be one? This was used against him. Cotton Mather somehow hated George Burroughs when in his books actually Cotton Mathers writes that George Burroughs was a horrible man that he was filthy uh, George Burroughs was a short he was a small guy oh, so he, he called him an imp and like a horrible little man who had nothing but hate in his heart is he though George Burroughs wasn't he a small kid who played his game right he so did far? and not only that but when George Burroughs arrives for his trials he makes he makes a big mistake he makes a big mistake which is that george burroughs believe it or not after all the things i've been talking about in this episode uses logic oh for the oh fi- my finally God. someone opens their mind a little and someone uses logic. some deductive logic and he in the court of law says, I think that these girls are lying. 
I think they were put up to the whole thing by some other people. Really? Did and he I really think say that? all of this is bullshit. I mean, he didn't say word no, for word. No, I, I what I'm know, saying. but like, did he actually like call the girls out as liars? He said that all of it was not trustworthy and that it was a completely illogical. Well, there you go. And he's saying this in Salem Village. In a Puritan, hardcore, super religious society. Definitely a man ahead of its time. Indeed. And what happens to men ahead of their time in a village full of crazy psychopaths who are trying oh, to burn people no. at a stake? What happens? No, I don't want to know. We'll get to him in a little bit. So, May 27th, 1692. A special court is held. What they do is they bring in all these guys. They decide to bring in some governors. They bring in William Staunton, governor of the colony. This guy is one of the top dudes. Mind you, he was also a businessman, also really good friends with Increase Mathers. They were buddies. These guys were all friends. They bring in him. They bring in a couple of other... Uh, they bring in two other judges as well. None of these guys, by the way, have any experience as judges they're just business guys governors Can and you really imagine? powerful people this reminds me of someone but whatever <laughs> i'm sure it does dude it reminds me of a lot of things but they come in on may 27th because they're going to proceed with the actual uh they're going to start proceeding with actual cases at this point lots of people have been accused probably in the hundreds they're at this piling point. up in that fucking barn they're piling up in that barn jail man jesus you know Freaking, uh, that little girl is like going really nuts at this point, probably. And bet. it's, uh, things are really, you know, but at this point, no one, I know at this point, you just have people that have been accused. Yeah. So what ends up happening is they have their very first official case around May 27, 1692. And they start with a woman by the name of Bridget Bishop, who gets thrown under the bus by a man named John Louder, who is 32 years old, and accuses her of basically witchcraft, right? Okay. So, she's one of the first that's accused. She is, uh, on June 2nd, 1692, she is sentenced to death. No. And she is found guilty of her crimes. And, like, basically, as you would imagine, the trials all took place the same way. Bridget Bishop was in the in the courtroom, and every time she opened her mouth, the girls would go, "Oh my God, oh she's my infecting God. my brain!" Like the those same girls were like the theatrics, <sighs> yes, theatrics that could win you an Oscar. Oh boy, you know, same thing. So she is sentenced to death on June second of sixteen ninety two, and. It should be noted that days after she gets sentenced, they take her to the gallows. Oh, to the gallows. They take her to a little park or like a little area in Salem Village. Hundreds of villagers finally come. They uh, covered her face with a, with a veil and they hung her. They hung Bridget Bishop. That was the first one. After m all these months of accusations and hysteria and all these and torture things, and all the torture, these people getting thrown in jail, Bridget Bishop is hung and her body apparently swung while everybody was quiet as they watched the first person go. 
and it was a very harrowing scene. I mean, you could just imagine. You can imagine. You can just imagine that after all of this, they have finally got, gone along with taking a life as Bridget Bishop just hung. Well, they, they had to move on and start, like, you know, going along with the fucking trials so they can yeah. get rid of these people eventually. And another thing that has to be mentioned, too, is just the villagers were freaked out. They were like, oh, my God. They actually did it. We just, this person is dead. We just killed this person as she's hanging there and her neck is being squeezed. And you could hear her, her neck break and... The and you can yeah, see it Yeah, I mean, swing. like, witnessing this shit, it's, it's horrifying, And they're man. thinking, we, this is it. And they actually, that they actually kept their word and went with the, with the trials. They kept their word. So, Bridget Bishop becomes the first person killed on June 10th, 1692. Some five months or so since January, or six months or so since everything even begins. And, uh, apparently, it was so horrific that even, even one of the judges, one of the judges who is already a corrupted person, he is so disgusted by what he sees that he resigns immediately. He's just like, oh I, can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, What a fucking pussy. Like, wh- why am I not surprised? I mean, the guy saw that it was real. I yeah. guess people at this point didn't well, guess know. Guess what? You fucked up. Yeah, it's your fault, dickhead. Like, you're responsible for this madness. You can't just act normal now, man. This is all your fault. Oh, wow. This is all your fault. This is a fucking mockery. You did this. This happens uh, on this time. This happens around this time, and then we get the second wave. A month and a half later, on July nineteenth, we get the second wave of hangings: Rebecca Nurse, Sarah Good, Elizabeth Howe, Susanna Martin, Sarah Wilds. They're all executed and hung on this day. And Sarah Good was among them. Sarah Good was among them. She was the beggar. What happened? I know what happened with her child. No her child goes insane, and well, I'll get to that towards the end because there is a story. But uh, she's basically—it's uh, really. I mean, I don't. I'll talk about it afterwards. All right, in the, no in worries. the aftermath of all of this, but yeah, these are the five women that are killed on July nineteenth, sixteen ninety-two. I want to reiterate that these names. These are people that are connected to family members that, as you would imagine, are uh, not really well-liked by the Putnams, not really well-liked by Samuel Paris. They are all members of the opposing side of building the church in Salem Village as well. So, there you go. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. You know, all of these people that are being killed, they're, you know, just they just so happen to be connected to people they happen to be uh not very well liked and not very popular with the powers that be so uh one thing that has to be also noticed is that these five so you might be asking yourself okay so why are they killing these people now right what is the thing that's causing these women to be murdered or to be hung well it just so happens that these people these five women that were murdered they did not confess or blame anyone else. So, so what? Like they were like, okay, you're useless. Let's get rid of you. Essentially, what they find out is this. What they figure out is that if you are unwilling to confess, 
If you are uh, you're useless to us. If you are unwilling to confess, for if you else, are unwilling to throw another person under or the say bus, what we're telling you to say, and to say what we're telling you to say, then you must be eliminated. And oh my God. these women were the ones that refused to confess for these crimes, and therefore they were executed. Well, so this is actually how, more or less. This is also how it all begins because this is the main pattern here. The people that are not confessing, the people that are brave and courageous enough to say, I'm innocent, I, I don't know what's going on, I didn't do anything wrong, and I'm not going to throw anyone under the but bus, I'm not going to accuse anyone. Those are the people that right. are eliminated. Even though, like, they're still going to kill you anyway in the end. It's all a fucking game. Well, actually, you're wrong. Really? You're wrong. Or someone released at some point? Because... Disappoint me, please. I'll give you one little detail. Okay. Let's go back to Tichuba. Yeah. She's the first person accused of creating all of this. Stuck in that shithole for, for a while now. She's in the jail. Guess what happens to Tichuba? What? She set free. They set her free? Why? Because yes. she's throw like 20 other people under the bus? Correct. Oh my god, so this is, okay. They take well. Tichuba and they, she is, uh, she is spared of her life. The other 180, 200 people oh that are accused, god. they're thrown, some of them are thrown in jail. Right. But then when they go through the trial and they accuse other people, they're spared of their life. Well, this so is like a cleanse. It becomes basically a ritual. a ritual. You get accused of a crime, you confess, you throw someone under the bus, you're free. You can live. If you refuse to do what we say, if you fight for your innocence, we kill you. And this trend emerges. This is a plea bargain. It this is. is a modern day plea bargain. This is what we call a plea bargain in 2020 where they basically say, well, you know, if you if you, if you you confess and you blame somebody else, you're good. No, you're right. This is what this is. Now, after July 19th begins the trial of George Burroughs. This is the big one. This is the guy they really want to take down. And like I, I talked a little bit about before how people came from Boston. But here we go. This is the big case because they really want to take this guy what down. What are they accusing him for? Like and they're accusing they him. taking him down? Well, you, I told you. He was the guy. He was the ringleader of I the know, demons. Yeah. He was the witch, the head witch, according to, what had, according to the visions of Ann Putnam. He was the one that was like the main bad guy here. Okay. So, George Burroughs. He gets brought in from Maine. Mercy Lewis, of course, is the main person accusing him, and they go through the whole trial. Now, George Burroughs is one bad motherfucker. Yeah, you mentioned something like that. Because George Burroughs, when they ask him all these questions, like, where were you on the night of this and this, and... They they said that you had black candles in your room. Oh. He was a little cheeky because he said, well, actually, the candles are a dark brown. Oh, my God. Are you serious? So this guy starts <laughs> to troll. I can't believe such details are documented. This motherfucker starts trolling the judges. Oh, beautiful. Okay, I see. Them. I see why you like them. So this guy is cheeky. And to be fair... I mean, they've already killed six people, and this guy doesn't give a shit. He's right. just like, fuck you, I didn't do anything. You people are nuts. <laughs> it is during <laughs> the... So he's, he's like, making fun of the judges. He's 
saying, well, like, you only wear black. He's like, well, I only wear black on Sundays. You know, this guy's just trolling. Fucking hell. Um, uh, George Burroughs is, uh, of course, uh, then after all of this, he says that witchcraft isn't real, that these people are crazy, and that everyone is acting absolutely insane, and that this is all just... That this is all just a mechanism of something more sinister and that there's a conspiracy going on. Which, of course, sits horribly, as I said before, with Puritan society. They're not having any of this. And right off the bat, it's like, you're guilty. It's like, done. That's it. Like, the moment this guy... Fucking freaky. The moment this man says this, they're like, okay, that's enough. It's you're, over. You're out of here. Like, we gotta kill you. Because... The, the gig is up. I mean, it's like this guy is basically saying what's going on. That's how scary it is, man. So, August 19, 1692. George Burroughs. Oh, that's like th three, four months after. Well, this no, it's a month because July 19th. Oh, was, okay, yeah, yeah. July yeah. 19th was the, f the second wave. Bridget... Was the Bridget first was the wave, first yeah. in June. July nineteenth was the five women, and here comes the third wave on July nineteenth, sixteen ninety two, which is George Burroughs's execution. Really, he, he gets led to the gallows once again. Interestingly enough, this is really crazy. So, one of the rules that Cotton Mathers had was that witches. Could not reside. They could not. They could not read the biblical. They could not read the Bible. Right. Yeah. Because I they were possessed like by demons. I heard right. Shit like that. Yeah. So that was one of the rules that Cotton Mathers created. Yeah. Oh, like you're a witch. You could never possibly recite anything from the Bible if right. you're possessed. If you're under the influence of the devil. So throw him a Bible. George Burroughs. George Burroughs, the man. He is minutes away from dying and he said and he starts reciting from memory the bible he starts reciting like our father that blah 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 blah. he starts reciting prayers off of the top of his mind didn't give a shit and all the everybody villagers, was shocked all the villagers are shocked yeah because they believe that fucking cotton's guy yeah they bought so his they, shit they bought cotton's thing but then here is Burroughs getting ready to die. They all think he's a witch. Then how is he reciting the Bible? Mm. They're shocked. They can't believe this man is reciting word for word from the holy book. They can't believe it. They're in utter shock. So you hear silence. The villagers are like starting to cry because they're like, oh, my God. Like, what he's about to die. What's going on? We're about to kill this man. And he's reciting from the book. Kind Mathers was smart though. He showed up to the execution of George Burroughs because he hates him. So Kind Mathers is in the audience when all of this is you happening. You fucking see his wish come true. And Kind Mathers is on his horse. And when he sees that people are starting to wake up and they're like, wait a minute. This oh, they, right. they looked at him? Yeah. Kind Mathers is like on his horse and he goes, well, as a matter of fact, the devil is such a trickster that oh. he is such a trickster My that he God. tries to lie to you by reading from the Bible, even if the person is possessed. Oh, wow. Hang him. And then everyone is like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my 
god, why is this such a popular? Like, you know what? It's fucking ridiculous. Just as we said before, you know, when when there's power in the wrong hands, it doesn't matter what if there's a proof right in front of you that says that this that's written truth all over it. It doesn't matter. You have power. You can twist physics even into into directions that you wanted it to to go. It is incredible, man. Same bullshit like that even works when you're powerful. Unbelievable. It's it's what you said. You can take something and twist it into any shape you wanted to. This man is is literally reciting from the like he just he, saved he really his life. He debunked his bullshit right yeah. in front of everybody. Right. I mean, this dude, this guy is standing on the thing. They're hold. They're putting the noose on his neck. Do you have any last words? He recites the prayer perfectly to say. Well, according to your bullshit rules, you're wrong because I'm reciting from the holy book. Yeah, but then the powerful person was paying for everything else. And then the guy it's, it's, um, says something. It's crazy. And he, they're like, oh, yeah, he's right. He's paying for everything, so he's right. And you wonder what would have happened if Cotton Mathers was not there. What happened if he would have missed the trial? Would they have spared George, uh, George Burroughs? Would Probably. he have been spared of his life? Because I would say, like, the crowd demands, the wood demands that, you know, crowd is like a fucking... Whatever, you know what? Well, this pisses me off. It's uh, it's unfortunate because minutes after that, George Burroughs was hung to death. He, uh, his death was of course seen by hundreds of people as he swung back and forth like Bridget did. And uh, yeah, he was killed along with Martha Carrier, George Jacobs Sr., John Willard, and John Proctor. So they killed a bunch of people with yep. him as well. A bunch of people died as well. By the way... This is crazy. Just a little bit. Uh, uh, George Burroughs wasn't the only badass in this whole thing. John Proctor and his wife, Elizabeth, who... Uh, well, we'll talk a little bit about her later. John Proctor was another guy who was accused of the crimes. He was also pretty rich. He wasn't super rich, but he had money as well. John Proctor... When he goes to trial, he does a George Burroughs, and he's like, you guys are crazy. Like, this is all bullshit. And they were like, seize him! And they just killed him, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Same story. Why is Same this thing. fucking insane? And George Burroughs was actually... I mean, sorry. John Proctor was always like this. Like, he was one of the guys who was like, you people are nuts. Like, you are really going to kill well, people price for this? for talking the truth back he then. Was, he really was like, you people... Like, this is all a big lie. Like, this is all nonsense. He was one of the main people involved in saying that it was... And he did it in the trial, and he basically sentenced himself to death. The moment he said, this is crazy, you people are insane... There you go. You're done. Yeah, well, they were like, oh, you're trying to fucking ruin our only good, juicy plan to murder people? Crazy, bro. Crazy. Um, and, and again, I, I want to remind you all that even in this third wave of killings, these people, George Jacobs Sr., John Willard, all of these people were not liked by the Putnams for one reason or another. George Jacobs Sr., as a matter of fact... Uh, you want to know something crazy about George Jacobs Sr.? He was accused by his own granddaughter. His own granddaughter. His granddaughter was the one that said that he was a witch and accused him and was the one that got this guy to be hung and killed. And she was in the audience that day after accusing her own grandfather and watching him get hung to death. Why? Though? She was there and saw it. 
This guy, uh, he was she promised something or was he fucking? I think so. I think she was promised something. I think uh, George, they had apparently George Jacob Sr. was not a good grandfather. She didn't really like him that much. Right. But I mean, and not only that, but there was also financial incentive. I think I believe that either the Putnams or Samuel Paris or one of the magistrates that were involved in this probably offered her up some money or a husband or something. There was some type of manipulation in place so that he would be uh, so that. You know, Man. and 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 mind you, again, these people also d they refused to confess, so they were the ones that were like, "Fuck you, we're not confessing for this crime." So it all just kind of worked out in their favor, anyways, and um, that's it. But like I said before, all the Martha Carrier, J John Willard, and John Proctor, these were the these were people that were not liked yeah, by yeah. the Putnams, by the people in power here. Uh, John Willard, same thing. He was uh, he had a f he he had a falling out with the Putnams because he also owed them money. Huh? Surprise! Owes them owes money to the Putnams. He's also executed oh, yeah, and erased. Yeah. So if you think about it, it, all goes back to the beginning when we said the word witch or witchcraft does not clearly did not mean what we think about today. You know, of witches and witchcraft. It, it's just completely has a different meaning. A political. Yeah. Absolutely. Evil term behind it, you know. Oh yeah. It's a scheme. It's a it's a plan to murder people, and call it legal. You know, it's it's fucking crazy. It's what you say, man. It's a political strategy that they always had. They've always uh, operated this way, and I believe that at this time period, this is. I mean, and like I said before, the 1692. We're about to get the scientific revolution, which where where every like all of this is going to go. I mean, this is right. All so they're holding on to this power, like this is our last chance to really abuse this whole like you know the devil thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But as we've seen, I mean, this is still happening even to this day. I mean, this was happening. Different kind of different kind of flavor. Memphis three. This was happening right. like twenty five yeah. years ago. Ignorance is is a is a fucking is the strongest weapon. It is ignorance is. It really, if you think about it, if you think about it, ignorance is probably the the the, the true evil of the world. Right, it's the, it's, ignorance is really that's okay. the one that we need to worry about. Wow. So, uh, okay, there. Uh, that is uh, that is August, and this is actually not the most violent period. Still, it goes on because September. September is the bloodiest of them all. Of that year. Bloody uh, of the whole thing, of the whole situation. Is that the end of it? This is the end of it. So let's get to the final wave. This is the fourth wave of executions. It happens in September of 1692, and it begins with uh, Giles Corey on September 19th. We talked a little bit about Giles before. He was a fairly wealthy farmer who had a habit of getting into fights. He was kind of an educated and kind of a, a, a brutish man. And uh, Giles, another guy who did not want to play in court. Giles Corey is sent to court and he is not playing along. I'm, I'm innocent. I didn't do anything to you guys. I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. I'm not going to accuse anyone. I'm guilt. I'm, I'm innocent. Leave me alone. We all know what happens then. That's fucking crazy. However, Giles, do you think that Giles is going to get hung? I'm really confused at this point because, like, they did. There's a way, you know. There's a way to get out of this. There's always a way. So far, there's a smart way to get out of this. Giles does not get out of this. He does not get out of this. However, 
he unfortunately suffers a different fate from the rest of these victims. He is not hung. But they kill him. Yes. Giles Corey gets a different punishment. Why? And what they do, uh, well, because he, again, he because he never confesses and because he is seen as such an aggressive man, they decide to give him a different sentence. Giles Corey on September 19th is laid on the floor. And in some of the brutal, tastic uh, executions that we've seen in our Cave of Crime series, Giles Corey is placed on the floor and they start placing boulders over his body. Oh, my God. Until he confesses because they really want him at this point to confess for deaths and he refuses to. So they cracked him into the fucking floor. They start pressing him with boulder after boulder after boulder until his bones start to crush under the weight. Oh, wow. And they say, Giles, confess. Giles, tell us who, who is responsible for this do you know anyone else and he says no one no one no one he refuses refuses to confess but you said in the end he confessed no he didn't oh he didn't he didn't that's why they killed him they won confessions this man didn't confess for shit in fact he was one of the actually the most stubborn he just would not do it what ends up happening is that after Three days. This man stays alive. They left alive. him like that for three days? Three days he is sitting there alive. And they keep throwing boulders on his body. Stacking just thousands of pounds of weight. Is that like a job? I'm, there was probably a 16-year-old kid who was responding. Like, hey, uh, Timothy, grab some rocks. And they would be like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and they would just bring him over and lay him on his body. And then it's like... <laughs> You'd hear a crack, oh and you'd be like, oh, I just want to go back to school. I want to learn how to become a blacksmith or something, <laughs> you know? So that probably was a job, you know, for somebody. It was exactly like that. But anyways, this is the crazy part, and this is the third guy that I think is a total badass. Giles Corey, third day. He is literally agonizing. At this point, he's dying at any moment, right? His bone, his body is just plastered. They say, really Giles, sad. this is the last time confess and he looks in the eyes of his executors of his executioners he looks them in the eyes and he says more weight are you serious he says more weight and so, he dies oh my god he, he was a hero i guess as stubborn as he was dying words dying words because that, after that he go he passes away that's a hero dying words yo what about that's that? a man that stands for truth that's why we have that story here that's yeah. why we we believe that these things yeah. were all fabricated and made up because there's people that wanted that they sacrificed themselves for the truth to go on yeah and 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 live and you know what it is you're gonna find out that this this is a major turning point these guys these people the ones that were courageous enough to say screw you i'm not confessing these were the ones that's, that changed everything. It, they had to die for, for other people to be saved eventually. But you're going to see this. 
I wrote a. I mean, dude, this guy Giles Corey is one of my favorite characters of the whole thing. When I was nineteen, I wrote a short story about him in college. Really? Because um, I was in a fiction course, and uh, the, you know that's what I studied, and yeah, I, yeah. I wrote a short story on Giles Corey because I loved his tale of just being, you know, the fact that even after agonizing for three days, he just would not, he would not rat on anyone. He just would not snitch. He was like, "Screw you, I'd rather die on my sword." You know, and I remember I wrote like a little short story about him uh, ten years ago, when I was uh, in college and stuff. But uh, again, there you go, the third badass of this tale that uh, I just uh, again tip tip of the hat to Giles here. Crazy. A little swig of the beer for the one and only. He decided to take the boulders and the bone crushes. He decided to take a little bit of that. Let's go for that, Giles. Okay, so so Giles is killed, and actually, on September twenty second, we have the other executions. It's not over yet. Martha Corey, Giles's wife, another badass. After her husband is crushed to death, they ask her to confess. She says no. Even his wife. Even his wife, and she says no. I'm not confessing to shit. Well, leave. And they they uh they uh go along and um. They hang her as well, along with Samuel Wardwell, Margaret Scott, Wilmot Red, Anne, uh, Anne Pudator, Alice Parker, Mary Parker, and Mary Eastie, who also, uh, Mary Eastie was actually related to, um, she had a relation to one of the Proctors, I believe, and was also hated by the Putnams for all sorts of reasons because there was a divorce. There you go. Another one of those. All these people are executed on September 22nd. So many people. Yeah. Once we complete this, we've essentially completed the murders. That makes 20. The 19 that were hung and Giles Corey that was crushed to death with boulders. That is essentially the 20 people that lost their lives and were executed during the Salem Witch Trials. This all occurred at the end of September, and let's not forget that it all began... It all began in January. So, yeah, about yeah. 10, 11 months. Yeah. Now, after all of this happens, this is when things really start to get bad because this is when people start to really get skeptical. After this, people finally start to wake up and they're like... And they're this like, oh, is, this trick is getting worn out. This is... yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, okay, well, look, I mean, we had the, the blood was fun. I mean, we kind of were wild animals and we finally got our, our bloodthirst on and it was enjoyable, but eh, we're getting a little tired of this shit. Let's use our brains. So they're like, they started, they finally decided to use some logic and they started to question the judges. They started to question the, the, the jury. They started to question the entire court system for being corrupt you're a little, you're, they're, they're like 10 months too late because a lot of lives were lost. But finally, it starts to happen where they start to use some logic and it all starts to go downhill from there. Now, what happens from here is that everything starts to go downhill. By October, everything falls apart. The, I mean, at this point, the accusers, the people that were accusing, they start to ask for forgiveness. So all the people that were accusing people are like, oh, um, 
I'm sorry. I look. I I think I fucked up. I never meant oh. to accuse anyone. Like I think I was. I I was. I I really. I'm sorry. I didn't want to do of this. Fear. Out of fear. Um. So, it all starts to. Uh, it starts to really affect people, and and people started to feel really remorseful for the for the pain they caused for the lives that they took. As I mentioned before, the George Jacobs, remember that guy who passed away? Yeah, his yeah. his granddaughter was one of the ones that was like, I I I, I changed my mind. I didn't want to kill my grandfather. I, I really too late, bitch. <laughs> you killed your grandfather, boo boo. That's it. Like, what are you gonna do? It's too late. But she, you know, people start to feel remorse now after they got their fix of blood and thunder and violence and and primal animalistic yeah. violence. They finally start to wake up from all of this. So, uh, all of this happens around the same time, people and three people in the jail start to die. So, that adds to the number a little bit there as well. Uh, by the way, our uh, Osborne, she dies. She dies she in jail? She dies in jail. Yeah. Oh, my God. Osborne dies in jail and two others as well. And... Uh, that is uh that's like all the casualties after the people after we take into account the people that were that passed away in the salem prison uh now the aftermath of the whole situation is tituba like i said before she is uh she is set free but not really so she isn't killed it takes three months three months after all of this for the people in jail to be released so they yeah. were still in the jail yeah, yeah, after yeah. all of this. The, the the executions obviously stopped at this point. And one of the interesting points, too, is that they the judges wanted to kill people faster. So they were saying, like, okay, well, even if you don't confess, we're going to... Even if you do confess, we're going to kill you anyways. So they were telling people, like, I'm okay, they'll be like, well, I'm going to confess. And they're like, we don't care if you confess. We're still going to hang you. But then people were like, okay, that's too much. Enough is enough. We've had enough. And then, like, so... Mind you, the system still wanted to continue these executions at all cost, but, but it, eventually was it, like a, it was a they, pleasure, a game. I think so. I think of these like people just cleaning. Yeah, it almost feels like a cleansing. Like they were just like, let's just start killing people. I mean, I think that the people in power got what they wanted. They eliminated a load of people that, that were was powerful. The, point. That the was proctors, they didn't like them. They got rid of them. Uh, Osborne, who wanted the inheritance money, they got rid of her. Uh, George Burroughs, who owed a debt to the Putnams, got rid of him. They just wanted a reason, a clear reason, and they wanted an easy way yeah. in front of people so they don't yeah. look like criminals. But at some point, I guess this desire to eliminate enemies became so great that they were... But they don't get away with it. Like I said before, these 20 people, after these 20, it's over. for the mo It's basically done. But now what ends up happening is three months later, like I said, people are released from the jail. Tituba is, uh, she is released. However, she is released under the condition that she is sold to another master. Oh my God, poor girl was released and still a slave. And you know why? Because Tituba had no money. So whenever Tituba would have her water and her bread, she had to pay that money back. And guess who had to pay the money because she's a slave? Samuel Paris because he was the old master. Right, so he paid for her shit. But he didn't want to pay the money. So that's why he sold her off to another master. Because this 
evil bastard who started this entire mess did not want to pay for the bread and the water that this woman was fed in the jail. So he just sold her off to another slave master who then paid for it himself. Wow. That's what oh, we're I see that. I, I, I heard that before. Yeah, it happens. Absolutely insane. Um, 1690, uh, sorry, 1703, some uh, 10 years after the, the conclusion of all of this, the court casually throws away the evidence. Evidence is thrown out in 1703. On 1706, Anne Putnam Jr., uh, who, as you know, had confessed to like a million people. She was, Anne Putnam was like the one that started all this nonsense or one of the early ones. She apologizes at 24 years old for the people that are dead because of her. So she's now a grown woman, and she's like, I'm sorry. I, I think I, I don't know what happened to yeah, me. Yeah, because she was a fucking child, and it was a game. Right, and you're being manipulated by adults. Right. You know? But she confesses to the crimes. 1711. Okay. 1711, the colony, right? This is like now, 1711, there's been like 15 years. They tried to remember. Remember how Sheriff George Corwin took all of the property and shit. Yeah. They try to get that shit back, and he says no. Really. So they're like, "Give us all this. No, the money you've been they stealing from the victims and all shit. that shit. Give us all that back." And he's like, "Nah, I'm not doing that." And he runs away with the money. Never returns any of the property or the money that he stole from the victims or anything. He just keeps Beautiful. all of that shit. Beautiful. Um. And uh, that basically wraps up everything 1711 is basically it now what ends up happening is that a couple years after that like i mentioned before spectral evidence is finally finally uh, deemed as unconstitutional you cannot do this this is completely illegal you can't just throw people in prison because they had a vision you can't do some shit like this fine so some people came to sense and they were like all right you can't do that anymore and they had power and they decided to put it in the right way basically it, it, I mean, we lost 20 lives, of course, but um, that is basically the end of that. And it's uh, it was a pretty horrific event all in all, I would say, the, the very famous trials. Now, getting into more of the horror stuff very quickly, to this day, the if you go to Salem, the part where the executions took place have really high haunted activity. So, Are you serious? Yeah, so like there is uh, there is like a big plane where the executions took place, where they yeah. actually killed the people. And people like to go there, of course, like ghost hunters like to go there deep in the night. And they experience lots of horrific things. They experience sightings, voices. They say it's like super, super, super haunted. The jail is still there. Like you could see it. Wow. Okay. Now and it's it worth is, it. Uh, it's haunted as hell. And most people say that everything is haunted there. They say that you could almost, you could definitely feel something very eerie in Salem Village to this day. So. Wow, oof. man. I got to say, uh, I would say you totally need that. That was a really detailed, uh, a real detailed information about the whole, the whole, which is Salem, which is trials, man. Thanks. It's uh, you know, this is one of those stories I've been I've been wanting to tell for a while. I think we all know the story, but I wanted to show a lot of you guys the other the, face, the other face, the politics, the story, yeah, the power struggles, the families, the proctors, the Putnams, the the porters, the magistrates, Samuel Paris, the connection to money, the connection to Harvard, you know, the cotton, the uh, the the Mathers, and just the 
the control they had over everything and just for you guys to understand that i think the horror here is not demons or witches the horror here is just how far humanity will sometimes go you know you have a small village of a couple hundred people and when things are just right you have the people at the top controlling the people at the bottom manipulating their thoughts and you're almost digging into their primal desires and it leads to people dying and how is it that you start to see people get eliminated you start to see people get executed and it almost fulfills this animalistic primal bloodthirst oh yeah totally people like yeah, it yeah and people are watching it happen and they're going with it and the moment it be you know 20 deaths 20 human lives are extinguished for these people to wake up from their madness and to think what what are we doing here i mean you would think like you know as we said we've seen this happen kind of in a similar way or even like the exact way with the west memphis three yeah and after exactly. like 20 years people would wake up and and realize that things are not right you know and we got to do something about it absolutely it's, it's really the crazy, same thing. man. It's, it's one of those things where people fall into a trance. And as a matter of fact, I wrote down, um, I had a term here that I wanted to, because uh, there's an actual psychological term now when these things happen. I mean, look, there's whether it's Salem, whether it's like, well, what's the guy, James Jones, the guy that like yeah. the, the cult leader who killed like 800 people. When you have these types of like mass hysteric things where people do crazy things. There is a term for this in psychology, which I am looking for, and I can't find because I wrote it like <laughs> fucking right here, dude. Like I, I wanted to say this term. It's raining. Got it. Got it. I got it. I got it. So the term is called mass psychogenic disorder. That is what it's called. It's uh, now like a psychological term that we have where we see, uh, we see these uh, these disorders when people are in masses, right? Like. People just start acting insane. Around each other, yeah. Around it's each like other. a fever catch-ins. Yeah. And that's what we have here. And it just, you know, it just kind of... What adds to the conspiracy, what adds to the pain is the fact that all of this is happening thanks to the greed and the power and the politics of a select few of people in Salem Village that uh, had hidden agendas and uh, they were the ones puppeteering and mastering everybody into uh, do this. You know, yeah, totally. And along with all of it, you have you have uh, Native Americans fighting their land, ice ages, cold weather, ignorance from the Puritans, wild, so much killing, religious zealots, episode, man, and uh, and on all this bloodshed, deaths, all these people I'm that actually, were killed, people accusing their own family members, right. Unbelievable. As much as this is going crazy, man, and bloody, I was thinking of even like featuring the episode on Cave of Crimes instead. But I thought about that as well. Yes, there's so much blood and so much killings. Normally, we uh, we it's keep it paranormal crime. and ghosty in the right. Cave of Horrors, but I it is Halloween. We did a couple of crime yeah, ones and that I mean, week like, either too. Sure, and I mean, like I said before, man, I think this is horror. This is human horror. It is. This is actually, the horror yeah. of how of what the human can do, especially when humans are together. And what, you know, when you take a group of people and th these are the things that people are capable of. Definitely, when you stretch man. the human psyche and the perversion and the violence and the 
manipulation this is what happens and unfortunately to this day 20 we were always going to remember that and you know what actually one of the things uh to mention as well is that they finally after years they have their graves they were because the 20 people that were executed they were left in unmarked graves for hundreds of years because no one cared about them right and finally they have been uh, as of very recently salem finally honored them oh they that's finally so nice. got their proper graves that's All of really the 20 nice. victims were, were finally properly and... Uh, so maybe their spirits would uh, rest in peace. Or perhaps. the Also, the government, I think, Boston, the city of Boston or the city of uh, the county where Salem is currently in, in, in Massachusetts, yeah. they finally apologized formally for they're like well, like sorry that this happened 350 years ago or whatever. Right. Like, we just wanted to apologize. Go fuck for yourselves. It. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> you could already see like... Will, uh, George Burroughs in heaven going like, really, asshole? Really? 1996? <laughs> Jesus, man. Well, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, that was a really juicy episode. If you, you stuck around that far, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot for sharing this yeah. uh, story in Halloween details. Special. It is, indeed. And you know how it is. Uh, if you want to see more content, stick around for more. And don't forget to catch us on our social where we share uh, photos of uh, all the episodes that we talk about in these caves. We do. And send us email, an email if you have any questions on fausgave at gmail.com. And I think that's it for tonight. Yep. Gmail, Facebook. We have an Instagram. We have our own YouTube channel right we make videos we have a lot of content if you enjoy our company here don't forget to write us a little review on whatever platform yeah. you listen to us and we'd really appreciate it we'll leave you with that and as usual keep it creepy a sweet dream, dream.